Well, Merry Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Eve is like the best day because it's like where everything builds upon that last second before it's Christmas morning. And so Christmas Eve is a wonderful time. I'm, it, it's kind of cool. We get to, you know, come and do this this morning. And um, I, I just love to see people on Christmas Eve. It's a great time. You know, we've been doing a series on called Baby Watch. And today it's, it's about the great arrival. You know how there's moments in life where time stops. Like, everything just freezes for a moment. Well, I had one of those moments in my life on June 29th, 2005. I woke up at 5.30 a.m. and I had some contractions. And I was thinking, oh... Well, am I in labor? Am I not in labor? Okay, so if you have ever been in labor, you know that sometimes you think you're in labor, but you're not in labor. And the worst thing is to feel like you are and get to the hospital and find out that you're not. So I had a little bit of a dilemma, and the dilemma was I had a doctor's appointment that day like a regular doctor's appointment with my baby doctor, you know, to see how things were going. And I was like, well, if I go to the hospital to see if I'm in labor and I have the baby, that's great. But if I go to the hospital and they say, oh, it's fake, it's just Braxton Hicks, then I'm going to miss my appointment, right? And then I'm not going to see the progress and things. So I'm like not sure what to do. So, I, you know, I go about my day, I shower, get all ready as if it's going to happen, but I don't really know what to do. I call a babysitter to come and watch our three-year-old Josiah. And we're kind of like gearing up. Maybe this is the day. Maybe it's not. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure at this point. Craig and I are talking. Should we go to the hospital? Should we not? And then I decide. No. You know what? I think I'm just going to go to the doctor's appointment because I don't want to miss my appointment. You know, I like seeing the progress. So we we go to the doctor's appointment only to find out that I actually was in labor, and I kind of got in a little bit of trouble from my doctor, because she's like, listen, I don't want to do this here in the clinic. Like, that's why we have the hospital. So we hop back in the car, and like crazy train, we just like booted over to the hospital really fast, and, and I'm like, like running in, which is probably not the best thing at that point. But I'm, I'm like running in and uh, we get in there and there's no time. There's literally no time. It, there's no time for drugs. There's no time for paperwork. There's no time to, oh, how, how exciting is this? I'm having a baby. There's no time for anything. So it seemed like this time that we waited so long to get here, these nine months that felt never ending, was there. Now, I wanted the drugs. <laughs> baby came so fast. There's no time for drugs to even work. I was dealing with some pain. Okay, this kind of pain, I don't really know how to explain. It's like you just have to experience it. So it's, it's very hard to explain. But it, it was a lot. And I am the type of person that internalized my pain, both emotional and physical. I internalize and I process on the inside. So the more pain I'm in, the quieter I get. It's almost like creepily quiet. You know, it's like, what's wrong? What's going on with her? And I'm like, just dealing with it. Just So I, you know, some people like stub their toe and they're like, ah, you know, you can hear them all over the house. I just like 
maybe crumple in a little ball on the floor, but I say nothing. And this is just the way it is. So this is happening. I'm suffering in silence. And, and, but then, you know, moments later, she was here. She was stunning. She was incredible, perfectly tiny at five pounds and 13 ounces. You could literally hold her like this. So cool. Josiah came. I mean, they're right here. He's coughing right now. It's great. And he was so excited. And his eyes grew wider than they currently were because he's, he always had big eyes, big, beautiful eyes. And his eyes grew wide. He saw his baby sister and held her for the first time. It was the dream. It was, it was like the million-dollar family. You know, we felt like. I'm just going to show you a picture here of what that looked like. <laughs> You guys want to reenact that right now? Yeah. <laughs> Time stopped, I'm telling you, as we took in this moment. And this was 18 years ago. Well, more than 2,000 years ago, time stopped for 13-year-old Mary and her husband, Joseph. This was the time the world was waiting for. They were waiting and waiting and waiting, and it, start, it stopped in the stable as Jesus was born and then laid in that manger. Meanwhile, as we heard, we already heard the Christmas story from the children this morning. There were, down a few blocks, there was a big open field. And in the open field, there was the light show of the century for some sheep. <laughs> Angels showed up. While the shepherds were there, maybe their 10, 12-hour day, I'm not sure how long they stayed out there, but I know they were on night watch. And they had this surreal moment as one angel appears and then makes this, this, this wildly unbelievable announcement that only then could be accompanied by a whole choir following up seconds later making this big deal. The Messiah is here, finally, what we've been waiting for. And his entry into the world was the most magnificent yet basic scene ever. It was literally like regs and riches. It was, it was the most iconic, ironic moment in history. I wish I was there in person. Yeah, like I wish I was there in person. You know how there's some things are just better in person? You know, it's like, it's like, that that joke that doesn't translate later, you're like, oh, I guess I had to be there. <laughs> like, or or the sunset. If you if you ever try to take a picture of a sunset and it doesn't quite capture, you're just like, ah, oh, they have to be here. I wish I could have been there in person in that moment. And I feel like this is what the shepherds felt like because they have this encounter. They're in the field. It's a day like all the others, except there's a little bit of hype around the season uh, because it's like very touristy because everyone's coming for the census that the kids talked about to be counted. And they have this crazy visitation of angels here in the field. And they hear the news that today has been born in the city of David, a savior. And then they say, they talk amongst themselves. They're like, let's go see. So they hear it and then they see. They didn't have to. They weren't told. They were told how they would know when they saw it. But they weren't told they had to go. It was just like, hey, when you see it, this is what it will be. And they're like, we should go. And they didn't just go. They ran. 
says they made haste in some translations. Can you imagine the emotional um, state of what it would have been like and the, even the, the mental turmoil in their heads as you're, you're a shepherd and then you get there and you recognize, one, this is the king of the world as a baby born in a barn to a teenager and a non-biological father. Can you imagine what that felt like or sounded like or looked like in their heads? And they're like, and we're the first visitors. But it's exactly what the angel said. This was so messy. It was so messy in every sense of the word, this moment. And even to get you the moment right here, you have Mary and you have Joseph who have overcome so much, so much. This young, engaged couple probably, you know, were planning their dream wedding only to be surprised by the news of the Immaculate Conception. Okay, then it was the heartbreak because it led to a splitting up plan that Joseph was kind of in the works about. And then there was the nap that allowed the space for the real angelic dream for Joseph, which in turn saved the relationship and saved from Mary having to raise a baby by herself. And then there was the new plan to stay together, having the God baby, and then probably judged for the next lifetime as they did the right thing and walked in obedience to the call of God, to parent God a situation that no one was going to believe and no one was ready for. I mean, and then to top it all off, they had to be counted at the worst possible time ever. Full term. I'm kind of like, God planned this, right? Like he planned the pregnancy. He planned it all. He could have planned it not during the census, right? However, it was the plan. Because it was to fulfill, the scriptures say, the prophetic word given eons ago that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. There had to be a census in order to get them there. And Joseph had to be the father, the adopted father, in order for that city to be the city that they would have to go to to be counted because Joseph was from the lineage of David and the Messiah was to be from the lineage of David. Because it was prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem as the Messiah. So now they have to travel to Bethlehem. This is all, this is before they even get to the barn scene. This is all the stuff they had to go through. They have to travel on Bethlehem on a donkey at nine months pregnant. And even with all of this, they still didn't decide, hey, maybe we should go a day early and get ahead of the crowd. Because then there will be more access to rooms and availability and maybe more comfort. No, 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 no. They just went like the same time as everybody else. So they show up and it's too late because maybe it took them a little longer. There was like more P-stops or something. I mean, you know it's real. So then they get there and there's no room. So they end up in a stable, which is good because it's not the dirt road. But it's gross. There's poop everywhere. It's uncomfortable. Everyone is nauseous, not just Mary. I feel like even the animals are like, this is what's happening, you know. It's a health code violation nightmare, I'm sure. And the best part, like we already stated, is that (laughs) the first afterbirth visitors that's stated in the scripture is a bunch of strangers who popped by unannounced in the middle of the night smelling like sweat and sheep. Because they ran. Awesome. 
Can you imagine? I'd be like dead. <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm not ready for visitors. What is going through the mind of 13-year-old Mary at this point? My baby is born in a barn. My baby is born in a barn. I would have thought that entering the call of God would have been a little more prestigious than this. I would have thought to have the call, to have the Son of God, would have been a little better than this. This isn't even like average basic. What is Joseph thinking but not saying because that's not going to help? This is brutal. The angel in the dream gave the impression that it would be better than this. <laughs> it seemed edgy when the angel told me, but kind of cool. But this is not cool. You know, like this is, maybe it was me though. Maybe we should have came yesterday. Maybe I just like a day late, you know. I, I don't know. Both of them are wondering tons of things, I'm sure. Did we, maybe did we not understand it correctly you know did we did we miss something and and I know they're thinking this even years to come people are gonna hear of the Messiah and his hometown of Nazareth and and it's gonna be rough because people are gonna say has anyone or anything good ever come out of Nazareth you know this is gonna happen because it's Nazareth it's like not a great place. You know, are we sure we got this right? A savior of the world from, from trashy town, you know, born in a barn in Bethlehem. Like it doesn't sound real. I also wonder how Mary dealt with her pain. I think it's like me. And here's why I think this. Because it says in the scripture that she treasured and pondered all the things that were happening in her heart. So that leads me to believe that maybe she was more of a, like an internal processor than external. So is she like going through all of this quietly, enduring, internally, processing through the emotional pain, the physical pain of this moment and the moments that brought her to this moment? Joseph, we know he was a man of peace and patience by the way he like slowly planned the splitting up you know, plan with Mary. He like took his time and thought about it. I wonder, like, like what was he doing? Was he just, was, were they even talking or were they just kind of looking at each other? <laughs> I, I was wondering what was the moment right before and right after? Like, I, I wonder if the animals and the hustle and bustle of this season was the loudest noise in the room. I don't know. But what I do believe is that no matter what degree of uncertainty that they had, that faced them, that in front of them there was a resounding resolve that began to play above this noise in that room. And this was the reality that the promise of God was about to arrive. And it was different. It is different than what we thought. They're looking at each other. They're like, I don't know if we thought answering the call would be like this. But it was what it was. John 1 verse 14 says, The word became human and made his home among us. Mary and Joseph, there's two of these young humans. They're inexperienced, maybe, maybe naive. I don't know. But the empowerment for Mary and Joseph to carry and continue the call was made possible by the word itself or himself, Jesus. 
the one being carried by them was the one that was actually carrying them. See, the promise and the promise maker being one and the same. The very word of God was the empowerment in them to carry and deliver the word of God. Luke 1 verse 37 says, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God will be without power or impossible of fulfillment. See, the time came and Jesus enters the world and I feel like time stopped and started all at once. Moments before, there's pain, there's pressure, there's wondering, there's uncertainty, I, there's, there's maybe fears, but now the Prince of Peace arrives on the scene and in that very time and space, he leads the room as he enters the room. He like takes charge without lifting his tiny little finger. He just takes it because that barn and the world just welcome all of God as man, as a baby man. And now and forever, everything was different. It's the great arrival. It was the worldwide baby watch done. This was and is humanity's redemption plan. Have you ever been on the five coming south, like from L.A. down? We had a, a couple girls, Faith and Finley, who came from Reading just this past week. And uh, they were coming down there, and once you hit L.A., it's, it's kind of rough. Uh, I mean, it's rough any time of the year, but during the holidays, and, and all it takes is a couple wrong turns just to take the whatever it would have been, a couple hours to get through there to maybe 14 hours in total from Reading to here. <laughs> Josiah comes a few days later and does it in 10 and a half, so I don't know how he did that, but <laughs> must have been miraculous. No, I think he just stayed on the five. <laughs> but it's rough. I mean, we've all been in it, and sometimes it's an accident, and sometimes it's just a lot of people. And, and here's the deal. When you're on it, you can let me know if you do this, but you try and like gain some ground, right? So you're like kind of checking out your lanes and your options and things like that. So you try and maneuver to this lane and that lane, and then you get ahead a little, and then you're like, why is that guy letting everybody in? Now my lane is like the worst lane, so I have to get over to the other lane. And then, and then, and then yeah, I've lost so much time, and it's like so stressful, you know? And, and, and then a miracle happens. And suddenly, everyone starts exiting your lane. And you're like, you just keep moving up and moving up. And you're like, whoa, I'm going to hit like that, that guy. Like, I'm just like passing him. And it feels so good. And, and all the cars that, that you've been literally in the slowest race ever with, you just begin to pass. And you scoot up a little bit. It's like a Christmas miracle. You're like, redemption. I'm going to arrive four minutes earlier than expected. I thought I lost those minutes, but they're redeemed. How exciting. There's nothing like the feeling of gaining something back you thought you'd lost. Jesus came to restore all that was lost all the minutes, 
all the days, all the years, all the lack in our lives, all the broken family units, all the failed relationships, all the business deals that went bad, the emotional gaps, the lack of peace, the unfulfillment of life, the sadness that hovers. He redeems it all. And then he makes it even better. He takes us into his fold. That's what he does. We, the sheep of his pasture. He'll create a whole light show just for us. The Lord is my shepherd, the Bible says. I lack nothing. Nothing. Nothing I need in my life I lack because he is my shepherd. Like, do we believe it or do we believe it? When we feel like, oh, I'm missing out here. I don't have enough here. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It doesn't matter what I see. It's what I know. Shepherds protect. Shepherds feed. Shepherd guides. A shepherd will find. A shepherd stays through the night. A shepherd celebrates the sheep. The Lord is our shepherd. I, I, I just, you know, as those shepherds ran to see the baby that night, and they're the first on the scene visitors, they unknowingly foreshadowed who he grew up to be, the shepherd of all shepherds, the shepherd of the world, who would lay down his life for his sheep. What a moment. For them, what a moment for Mary and Joseph. Baby Jesus' grand arrival. If you have children, or maybe you've been around when a little baby's been born, that moment is so precious. Remember that moment, that moment where you, you see them or you hold them for the first time. That moment that stops time and it makes every decision along the way, every sense of uncertainty, every unknown, all the limitations that you had to face and forced to overcome, it makes it just fade away in that moment where time stops. You know, sometimes we cannot make sense of our lives. We just cannot. We're locked into a mesmerizing world of of where we're pulled in many directions at once and we don't know where to turn and it feels impossible to see the big picture. We need these time stop moments in our lives. We need, sometimes sometimes we just need it to get stuff done. But sometimes we just need it to recalibrate. Be like, what's the main thing right now? What's important? What's God saying? We don't have to see the big picture. We think we do, and we try to. We even coach people, hey, just take a step back to see the big picture. Yeah. <laughs> Reality is sometimes we can't. We just can't see it. But we don't have to. We just have to trust the Word, the one who is the Word, the one who was the Word, the one who will forever be the Word, because the Word became human and made his home among us. We thought all of humanity was on baby watch when all along that God baby was the one watching us. The great shepherd, our Messiah, and our only hope, our one hope for ourselves, for our family, for the lost parts of our family, for our future, for our friends, for our neighbors, for our city. 
the Bible talks about the importance of building with good materials. We face the risk every day to build with wood because it seems solid, with hay or straw because it seems like it's going to work. But the Bible talks about the precious stones of pursuit of a life with God and relationship with him is the only thing that will survive the fire. It's the only thing that will survive the harsh things of life when fire hits. Those stones, those precious stones are the only thing that will make it through. When we build our life with wood or hay or straw and the fires of life comes and the pressure is on and the unknowns and the fears, it burns up real quick. And we can look down at our feet and see the ashes of just brokenness. It's the American dream. It's, it's our, our, our jobs and our in, entertainment and stuff and more stuff and more work and work and work and doing this and doing that and, and trying to create the perfect family and trying to have all the options and, 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 and just, just trying it all. And then we're, we're, we're mesmerized by the news and, and people and, and commotion and propaganda and all these things are just out there. And we, we don't know what we need, what we feel or anything. And it's a temptation to build with, with wood because it seems solid or with hay because ah, I think that would be good instead of a life built with the precious stones of the pursuit of, of God. Yeah. Yeah. We can make a good life with those things and we can leave behind some things. But if the pursuit of our life isn't centered around the one, the main attraction, the most famous baby of all the baby watches, of all of earth and all of eternity, then we have made our lives with materials that will not last. And Christmas is really just all about that. It's about centering ourselves and having that moment where time can stop and be like, what am I really doing? Christmas is about that one moment that launched the whole world into a redemption plan. That the one destined to save humanity was the one assigned to die for humanity. His birthday wasn't the climax of redemption. It was the start. The whole point of his life was to die. The moment here in the Bible, that Christmas morning, we call it, that changed the world, began with a teenager and a young man, confused, terrified, who said yes without seeing what was next, to build their lives with lasting materials, even though they didn't see the whole picture. You know, our decisions matter. Our decisions matter. Every decision that I have made up to this point in my life has brought me to where I am today. Every decision you have made consciously or subconsciously has led you to this place you are in life today. So five years down the road, your life will look a lot like the decision you make today. No decision is a decision. No decision 
always shapes our future. So if you're just, well, I'm just going to like take some time and, and then, you know, I'm going to take, you know, maybe a few months and then months turns into years and years turns into a decade and then you've done nothing because you're frozen into fear and uncertainty. You can't see the big picture. Your life probably doesn't look that much different. And you're like, man, I missed it. We stand in the grace of two young kids, Mary and Joseph. Today we stand in the grace because they said, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I'm going to be judged for the rest of my life, but I'll do it. But we can't just live off that grace forever. There comes a point where we have to make our own decision because our decisions matter. So it's our turn. And, and the, the question is, what's my answer to Jesus today? You know, his great arrival demands a response of my life without even asking the question. Just the fact that he came and did that. Now I have to respond to that. This Christmas, the greatest gift you can give yourself or your family is to say yes to God is to invite that whole barn scene into your life as messy as it is as, as as unclear as it can be because it will change you it's a life built with precious stones it's a life with lasting materials it's a life built upon Jesus our chief cornerstone it's a life of yes. It's not just barely saved. It's not just like, well, this is good. This is like better than what I was. This is like, I'm 100%. I bought the merch. You know, I drank the juice. You know, I, I am like all in for Jesus. And I am going to risk it all at something that maybe I can't see. Because you know what? I've done it my own way. And I've done it like average. And I've done it even 80%. But I'm ready to go 100 this year. And this Christmas, this Christmas Eve, I'm going to to make that decision to do it to go all in it's not too late maybe a decades have passed and you're like I, I should have made this decision 10 years ago like what's wrong with me it's not too late I imagine you're right on time it's not too late for your family you're like they're already so messed up it's not too late Jesus was and is humanity's redemption plan. He redeems. He gets back the minutes. He takes back the years. He can make it as if nothing ever went wrong. You've lost nothing. He's the miracle worker. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand this morning as we, as we close? Let's ask ourselves today. What am I building my life with? And what am I building my life upon? And have I given it all? Have I welcomed that whole scene into my life to say, change me? Why don't we just take a moment and feel, feel it? You can close your eyes if you want and just kind of lock in. You know what? In about 120 seconds, we're going to sing another song. Maybe snow will fall. I don't know. It's going to get wild. You're all going to go do your Christmas Eve stuff, and it's going to be great. But we can take a, a moment right now and say, Lord, come into my life and change me. You know, come and speak to me. What am I building my life upon? 
What am I building my life with? This is your time stops moment. In the, in the height of Christmas and all the festivities and the hustle and bustle and the noise, this is your quiet moment to internally process with the Lord. Your time stop moment. This grand arrival was meant to change us. Babies change us. This baby will change us if we let him. Let me pray for you. First, I want to ask if there's anyone here and you're like, you know what? I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus. I believe in him, but I don't know if I've really given my life over to him. And you're like, I think, I think I want to, I think that's the gift I want to receive this Christmas to my life and to my family. Then I with you can just keep your eyes closed, everyone in the room. But if you're here and you're like, I want to make that decision, I want to say yes to Jesus today, could you just raise your hand just um just so I can know who I'm praying for? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for new life. I thank you that you make all things new and everything is made perfect and beautiful in your time. I thank you for your redemption plan of sending your son that the world would not be lost, that we wouldn't have to go through hopeless or wondering what, what to do. Or we, could, we could have a great shepherd that could lead us. So I pray right now for rebirth and new life as we receive you as our King and Lord. A completely 180 of our lives to say yes to you. If you're here and you're like, you know what, I, I, I do know the Lord, I do know Jesus, but I think I'm ready to go from 90% to 100. Is that you? Just raise your hand. Thank you. Why don't we just put our hands out in front of us if, if you're comfortable with that. And I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray a deposit of courage, of risk, to say yes to the 100% as you've stepped out in faith. And maybe some of you are in the room like, I've said 100% for, for so long now, but, but every once in a while I, I'm, I get sucked back into to fear and uncertainty. And I, and I don't always truly believe that he is my shepherd and I lack nothing. And I, I get pulled into the ways of the world. And I, I'm just going to pray for a deposit on your life today that would be take courageous faith. There would be gifts of faith to believe for the impossible and to chase him with everything. So Father, I just thank you for your goodness and I thank you that you're here. And I pray right now that you would deposit on us gifts of faith, 
courage, uh, tenacity, passion, that we would be the ones that when we see the, the, the angelic visitation and we hear the news, that we would run to be the first on the scene to see what you're doing and how you're at work, to be a part of your arrival, to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. So, Father, we just welcome you. Jesus, we welcome you, and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.